by the world's standard is foolish, powerless, offensive, scandalous. It trips up everybody. But now he's changing on this hinge his argument. Our gospel really is brilliant. It's a revelation from God. It's the wisdom of God, but you can't get it without help. Because the moral condition that man is born in since the fall, he doesn't uh, get it. He doesn't love this God. He doesn't want God. He does not have any natural propensity towards God. Uh, Is he free? He's free to make all kinds of choices. He will stand before God as a free moral agent. His problem is he doesn't want the God he rejects. And he won't want him in eternity. It's just steadfast. It's how devastating our rebellion has affected our choices and our outlook. So he says, but let me tell you, the message of the gospel really is wise, but you've got to have the Holy Spirit to ever figure it out. So he says, we do, however speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, For if they have, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Three things. I want us to consider uh, the cross, and I would say slash the gospel, is a revelation from God. 
It is a divine revelation. It doesn't come out of speculation or human invention. It is something revealed to us by God. Definitely. Two, the gospel is rejected by men. Why? Why? And thirdly, the gospel, the message of the cross, is received by believers. Why? Why? Why do you get it and they don't? Why didn't you get it sooner? What's been your problem? Why aren't people around you getting it when it's so seemingly clear? The gospel is a revelation from God. He's saying we're giving a message that is divine wisdom, but only the mature get it. And I don't think in this context he's making an argument for mature and immature believers. He's contrasting those who are saved with those that aren't. He's saying those who are get it are what we would call perfect or mature, the spiritual. They have the spirit. The folks who have the spirit get it. Those who don't have the spirit don't get it. Now, in chapter 3, he's going to tell them, quit acting like children since you've got the spirit. Quit, cut out the foolish behavior you're into. But right here, he's contrasting saved with unsaved. The mature, the spiritual, the saved who have the spirit, they understand the message of the cross. Uh, The world doesn't get it. So he's telling them, you're in a different category. You get it. Listen to what Westminster Confession said. Man by his fall fell into a state of sin, has wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. So as a natural man being altogether averse from good and dead in sin, he is not able in his own strength to convert himself or to see the truths he ought to see. You can't make a blind man see it. You may say he needs more information. He needs a better artist. He'd get it if it was a Monet. He'd get it if it was Raphael. No, he can't get it no matter how good the painting. A deaf man can't appreciate Mozart, Bach, Beethoven, or B.B. King. If he can't hear, he just can't. And what God wants us to always know what Paul knew If I would have resorted to Greek philosophy and Greek oratory, I would have ignored my audience problem. My problem with my audience, he said, could not be solved by philosophy or rhetoric. It was going to take something much more powerful than a preacher coming into Corinth just with philosophy and homiletics. Because the problem in my audience is dead to the things of God, blind to them, and unless my message is accompanied by the working of the Spirit of God, all preaching is the act of a fool. You can't change the audience. Got it? Preacher, church, we keep looking for better methods that will get people saved. Let me tell you, two methods, the cross and the Spirit of God working on a human heart. That's the only way God's ever saved anybody, the cross and the Spirit working on the heart. 
So he says, he goes down here, uh, the mature, the spiritual get God's secret wisdom. But the rulers of this age, those in a place of authority and power, they didn't get it. The wise acres of this age, and if we rehearse chapter 1, they say it's foolish, uh, it's powerless, uh, it's scandalous to the Jew that wants a sign. Show me miraculous power. Don't tell me about the cross and the execution of Messiah. Where's God's power? There's no power in the cross. You see, I don't think what the Spirit reveals to us is that he died on the cross. You can study secular history and find that out. What he does, he shows you God's wisdom and power that's revealed in the cross. That's what you get, not Christ died. I often say there's never a day in my life I didn't know that Christ, or I believed as fact that Christ died, was buried, and resurrected. Always believed that, but was not saved for sure. I think that's where we get a lot of childhood conversions that I don't think are authentic because kids can rattle back the facts. Jesus died, was buried, rose again. Well, you must be saved. Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe that. Well, you're saved. No, you're not. The facts, unless understood in their implications, don't save. Now, I'm coming to 1 Corinthians 15, and I'll, I'll, I'll dig myself out of the hole. Just facts. Just facts. Well, he died. He's buried resurrected. Are you, well, you must be saved. No, you're not. It takes a work of the Spirit to show you the implication of the facts, that in those facts, God's wisdom was shown how he can reconcile you to himself. God's power was revealed that he could break the chains of sin and give you eternal life through what was accomplished through the cross. It takes a deep work of the Spirit of God to make you see that, and it's not just facts that save. It's facts made illumined and real to the heart by the ministry of the Spirit. And he's saying, hey, the wise acres of this world never saw it. Now, here's one of your favorite funeral verses, verse 9. But it's not talking about funerals. It's talking about human beings left unaided by God could never discover what God's about and what he's like. And he's going on to say, the human heart has not concocted what God's like. The human eye cannot ever imagine what he's like. The human ear has never invented this. Uh, What what are you saying, Paul? I'm saying human beings didn't invent what has been revealed. How did we get it? You notice, you notice right there, verse 10? But God has revealed to us with human eyes, human ears, and the human heart unaided by divine revelation in the Spirit Uh, What they could not come up with, God has revealed to us by his Spirit. It's it's like an epiphany when you come to Christ. Uh, Your your eyes are all of a sudden open. I I never saw it before. I I didn't know that's what I was rejecting. This is what I've been rejecting, right? Because it just, light shines up and opens the heart. So he says, this revelation is made to us. You know, the thing about God, you can never know anything about God for sure 
unless he discloses the information. It has to come from this side. You can't invent him and him be what you invent. How has God revealed himself? Well, nature is a common way. We read Psalms 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. It's the great argument Paul makes for theism in Romans 1. What can be known about God, his eternal power, has been revealed in what he created. It's why evolution is an affront on God because it strips him of one of his greatest revelations of the kind of person he must be. And we all of a sudden say it's a result of process, time, and some one-cell creature. Wait, don't you see the insult that is to God? I'm the creator of all that's been created. I created matter. I created space. I created time. I'm before it all. Oh, no, you're not. It's like telling uh, the artist, you didn't paint that picture. We painted it. No, 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 that's my word. No, it's not. We think uh, the ants got together and got brushes and did that. And it makes sense to us that ants could paint that. Anybody could have painted that by accident, by chance. Just give it enough time. And and the artists are saying, but it's my work. Oh, no. Anybody, all you need is time and chance, and anything can produce that. God says, they have rejected what may be known, so I've turned them over to a moronic mind. And he uses a word, matios. I turned them over to a mind of vanity, futility, that a mind that can produce no good. They cannot come up with anything but emptiness because they reject the most evident thing in the world. Something greater than creation must have made it. You must have a creator greater than creation. And then God has revealed himself in the past by wonderful works, miracles, the exodus, feeding a nation in a wilderness, one miracle after another. Even Christ himself, in Matthew 12, he does a fabulous miracle in which he cast demons out of a boy that was deaf and mute, and he's healed, and they instantly said, no, 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 you didn't do that. Uh, that wasn't God's power. Uh, you did that by the power of the devil. Belial is the one that influenced you to do that. You do what you do by satanic power. And he said, for this sin, I'll never show you another miracle. And there's no more miracles in Matthew after Matthew 12. He said, I've reserved one more miracle. It will be the miracle of Jonah, but I'm not going to let you see it. I'm going to go behind the curtain, and I'm going to go into a tomb, and I'm not going to let any of you see it, and I'm going to come out of it the third day, but none of you are going to get to see it, and I'm going to hold your eternal destiny on whether you believe I rose from the dead. Because you wouldn't believe what could be obviously ascribed to God, the very finger of God you ascribe to the devil. Any sin will be forgiven a man from now on, but the blasphemy against the Spirit. And that's another subject, an eternal kind of sin. So God has revealed himself over and over, and yet men reject it. Why do they reject all the information? I think sometimes uh, in our pursuit to win our case, we think if they just had more information, if we could just state it better, uh, 
and, and God knows we can use all the help we can get if we just intellectually engage more. It, there's a problem. They haven't heard it. It's been too simple up to now. It's been old-time gospel preaching and Jesus saves, and this stuff won't work. It won't work. We've got to get our argument more sophisticated. We must know the cosmological argument, the teleological argument, and, and all these arguments so we can really get them. If we can state it good enough, we'll win them. Why don't they get it? Why don't they get it? Because we can't tell it good enough? Because we don't have the vocabulary of the age, as Paul was saying, I would not abandon and empty the cross of its message or its power by adopting the Greek methodology for oratory or philosophy. Uh, What's going on? Uh, I'm not culturally relevant. That's the big thing today. How can we be relevant to the culture we've been planted in? You you know, I wish you all believed. You don't believe it. Uh, But Leslie Newbigin learned something. And he gave us the word missional. And it came from Leslie Newbigin. And, and Newbigin was a, uh, a missionary out of uh, Great Britain who went to India and stayed in India for 30 years. And when he came back to uh, Britain in the London area, he noticed something had happened to his country. And what had happened to his country is it had become more and more secular until it seemed like a lead ceiling was over Europe. Uh, uh, They had bought into materialism. They had bought into uh, everything that rejected Christianity, even uh, uh, the land of the Reformation. You go to Germany, secular. I visited some of those cathedrals. They're empty. You can hear the echo just ring through it. Nobody's attending uh, cathedrals that can hold 5,000 people at a time. I was in Ulm, Germany. And my, they had a huge spiral, and it was built during plagues. It took them, I think, 150 years to build this church. Building. But no gospel in it. No one attends it. Europe, this lead, sealing over it. And Newbigin said... My country is as lost as India. My country is as much in need of God as me laboring in a country like India with all of its gods. And so he developed this concept that sounds radical. Who's going to evangelize London? Who's going to reach Great Britain? Oh, no, no, we're a Christian nation. Oh, what a joke. I wish you would all just drop the baloney. Quit calling us Christian. You're Christian when Christ is in charge and leading you. We have a great history. Nobody denies that. Great freedoms. Thank God we can still be above ground. We're not denying love of country, but until we start seeing us as lost, far from God, pagan, in need of Christ, when do we turn into a missional church? When do we start seeing where we've been planted as though we were, came off of a spaceship and God just parachuted us in the San Francisco Bay Area and say, now, now just act like everybody there is already saved. 
act like everybody there already knows God and, and, and just go in and be critical of the church and uh, the music wasn't to your liking and uh, the temperature wasn't quite good. And man, he goes an awful long time. What's your problem? Your problem is you don't know people are lost all around us and they don't know anything about church. They've abandoned it and you don't have a mission. Your mission is to get through the service and get to the restaurant by 12. That's where American dead Protestantism is. We want to stay comfortable and missions as we send somebody to another land, somebody else to go and do what we don't want. And we think because we cut them a check, we're really nice folks. And we never go on mission where we are. What about your neighbors? Did you ever think they might be going to hell? Why do you think these neighborhoods have gotten so rough? God's been abandoned. God's not in the home. Mama's on crack. Daddy's chasing another woman. Booze is taking over. And we sit around and just say, man, our church is a nice, cozy country club. And, man, it's nice. And we feel, when does God's church here go on a mission? That's the reason Howard Hendricks used to tell us, guys. He didn't know of a pastor. He, did, he said very few pastors were doing anything for God after age 50. And someone asked, why is that? He said, they're all sliding towards home plate. They want a small church next to a lake. No more challenges. No more challenges. No more stretching. No more long prayer meetings. They just want to go out golfing, fishing, and pastoring 70 people because we don't want to be stretched while men perish. Paul knows that men and women were not receiving his gospel, and the key he gives to it is verse 14. The man without the Spirit does not welcome the things that come from the Spirit of God. Without having the Holy Spirit, people who hear our message, you know, uh, we've been having a pretty rowdy time the last month here, but I've been preaching to saints. I've been preaching to you, and the Spirit of God has been sweeping through and maybe sweeping out cobwebs in our own heart and igniting us and saying, oh, that this gospel that took Corinth would be effective in California where we are. But we know we're going up against natural minds, and apart from the Spirit of God, they will never be saved You can't argue it good enough. You can't say it good enough. You can't uh, outwit them good enough. Only the Spirit of God can make them get it, and natural men by themselves have no way to get it. They just can't. They could run a biology department for a university and not get it. Listen to what else. They don't get it, for they are foolishness to him. Hasn't he just said? They said the cross is foolish. It's a joke. We don't get it. We don't, I don't want it. Get out of here. Give it to somebody down in Skid Row that needs it. I don't need it. And he goes on. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You can't understand the message of the cross without the Spirit making it real. That's what's disturbing about what's going on in this church. You know what's disturbing? They're moving away from the message of the cross, and they are greatly enamored with spiritual gifts. Uh, They're enamored with gifts and 
signs of the Holy Spirit while they're living immoral lives, while they're suing one another, and while they're uh, abusing their liberties to the hurt of a brother, oh, they're all into something else in the church, maybe prophecy, uh, maybe spiritual gifts. Do, Do you really have the power? Let me say this. You never advance from the cross. You only dig deeper. The core of everything God wants to do starts at the cross. And that's where methods, conferences alone, and, and, and eight principles. Did you know what? A principle couldn't save me when I was drowning. I needed a real lifeguard. Principles don't work without a person. We offer a person in the gospel, not a philosophy or a principle. He's a person you need. Only a person can save you, not principles. Oh, that's nice. You can learn a lot of things. But our message is the Christ of the cross. And we know people won't get it. Uh, It's why for a pastor, it's hard. You've got to admire the Billy Grahams and those driven to evangelism. Uh, uh, Pastors ought to be so spoiled in preaching. If they have a congregation uh, as wonderful to preach to as you, because... once in a while, one of you might get happy. I could see uh, once in a while, somebody raised their hand. Once in a while, I see a tear. Sometimes I just uh, you bust out and clapping. Uh, I mean, this is a preacher's delight. But put me on Mars Hill with these same truths. It's going to be a real cold day. And none of you want to do it, including me. I want to go where right on, Pastor. Ooh, I can tell he studied. He got that from the Greek. Over here on Mars Hill, they said, don't tell us the Greek. We've got, we know Greek, too. We're not impressed. Matter of fact, everything you said isn't fit for the dogs. It's foolishness. It's garbage. We despise everything you said, and you can't make us believe it. And see, and we, so we try to get evangelists around people. Oh, I, do they shut the door on you? Yeah. Well, I haven't been called to that. What have you been called to? Good boy, good boy, good boy, good boy. So you just want to run with saints because it's safe. All you got to do with them is keep them awake. You just yell a little bit and they wake up. But evangelism, no, I heard what you said. I don't welcome it. I don't believe it. And I don't have the capacity to even get it unless the Spirit of God works in my heart. So preachers have to be fools to take such engagements. And yet we've been assigned to them because God uses the foolishness of even what we preach to save. Now, why do the saints get it? Look what he says. The Spirit, since these things have been revealed, notice what the Spirit does. He searches all things, even the deep things of God. Who among men knows the thoughts of a man except that man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Okay, nobody knows God's internal mind but the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'll accept that. We have not received the spirit of the world. Who's the we? Believers. As folks that believe, we didn't receive the spirit from the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. We get it because we're brilliant. Why do we get it? The spirit 
Spirit can't make an eight-year-old child get it, can they? Anybody saved before age 10 in this building? My wife saved at eight. Virginia Hubbard says she was saved at age five or four. I question it when I know the way she lives, you know. I mean, all the way back, all the way. I mean, wait, wait, you mean the Spirit of God makes someone get it that a Ph.D. student can't get, right? That's right. Bring it on. Oh, but but I'm, a, I'm a language major. Well, bring it on. They had some language majors at Athens and up at Mars Hill. They weren't dingalings by this world's culture. They were at the top. Now, my wife says, you've got to be sure you tell these folks you're not afraid of education. No, I spent 14 years in academic institution trying to earn degrees. You know why? I felt my stupidity. As dumb as I am, I've got to go to school and learn something. And what's the problem, this, this will bother you, but the scary thing is, is to earn the degree and still feel like a, a dummy because there's so much to know. Any of you here know it all? Okay, I see that hand. No. No one's omniscient. We're all ignorant about something. Wait till you file your taxes. You'll find out. Uh, and, and it goes on. This is what we speak. We, we speak God's wisdom, not in words taught by human beings, uh, not, but words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Wait, 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 wait. You mean... The reason I got it was the Holy Spirit enabled me to know God's mind. Yeah. Verse 15, the spiritual man, the saved man, the man who has the Holy Spirit. That's how I understand that. The man who has the Holy Spirit is able to discern, make judgments about all things. That's really about the mind of God. It doesn't mean he knows biochemistry, but he he can make discerning decisions about the things of God, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. That is, the unsaved can't figure him out, but he can figure out things from God. That's the idea. He says, who's who's known the mind of the Lord? That you know so much about God, you can give him instructions. And he says, but we have the mind of Christ. And I understand that two ways. I have the mind of Christ objectively in revelation. This is a revelation from God. And it reveals God's will, God's mind for what I need for my earthly journey. I believe this is a revelation from God, the scriptures. Objectively, I'm not seeking dreams and uh, uh, a, a word of prophecy. That'd be fine. One time they had it in the church. He gave gifts. But I think... Primarily, God's mind is right there. It's been revealed. Matter of fact, I, I love the Greek word. It's theonoustos. It's been breathed out by God. I, I, I like to say that if I just put my ear, you can nearly hear it breathing. You know, it, it's been breathed out. But then subjectively, I have the mind of Christ because I've got inside help called the Holy Spirit who lives in me. And he understands every God, everything God thinks. He understands everything God wants for my life. And guess what he does? He whispers it to my heart. And he always speaks loud enough that a willing heart can hear him. And uh, so I've got the mind of Christ. 
Revelation, objectively, subjectively. Uh, here's, a, here's one you need to keep uh, tucked away in you. You hear it a lot. Uh, I grew up with it in many circles. Oh, 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 pray that they'll be anointed. Pray they'll be anointed. Do you ever hear that language? Oh, you need the anointing, whatever that is. Well, let me tell you something about the anointing. If you're a prophet, priest, or king, when you were initiated into that office, they poured oil on you, as Samuel did on King David, and they were initiated into this new office. They were set apart. Now, John said, 1 John, Antichrist are multiplying in the world. And I could be scared to death that the two children of God are going to be deceived. But he said in 1 John 2, 20, and 1 John 2, 27, but you, you saints, you have an anointing. And as the anointing, this anointing is not oil. He's a person. This anointer is able to teach you all things so that you need no man to be your ultimate source of information. God gives gifted men to teach the church, but he's saying the ultimate one that teaches a child of God the difference between Christ and Antichrist is this installed anointing, which I take to be the Holy Spirit. He's in you, and he will make you know the mind of God, and always because you came to faith in Christ, he will always keep you straight on who is Christ and who is Antichrist. And he carries that argument in chapter 4, greater is he that's in you than he who's in the world. Well, who's in them in chapter 4? The anointing, the Holy Spirit. I have something that can keep a 14-year-old kid, that's how old I was when I was saved, he's taught me over 50 years everything that's Christ and Antichrist, and I could smell it out even when I was 14 because the anointing moved in. He's resident. I'm a resident teacher. You know why some of you are so dry when you teach the Bible? You're not counting on the real teacher, the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, I hear guys sometimes preach there so wooden. All we need to do, we do a favor to throw kerosene on them and throw a match. That'd be the only fire we can get. Because the Spirit hadn't made it real. Jesus said in John 16, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will teach you all things that I, my Father, want you to know. For I take from God what he wants us to know, and I disclose it to the spirit. And he's telling these apostles, I'm going to lead you into all the truth. And they wrote it down. And so today, God's people are led into all the truth they need to know. And the Spirit is the teacher. Let me read another verse to you since uh, I have to get the parking lot empty. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4. Turn there. I want to hear the paper on this one. That's it. That's it. I wouldn't hear this in Berkeley unless I was at first press. Verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The same thing. He's saying the reason they don't get it, they're veiled. It's just, you know, how many fingers do you see? I, I, uh, I don't know. Put more fingers up and I'll see. Let's say I'm blind. What, well, you need more information. How many? When you're blind, it doesn't matter how much information you give. You don't get it. 
Do you get it? Well, there's three of you saved. You heard what I've been saying. Do you get it? They don't get it. Quit getting your feelings hurt. It ain't you. It's them. It's not because you don't know how to share the gospel, and most of us don't. It's their crippled condition. They can't get it. They need outside help. It's called the Holy Spirit. And neither would you have gotten it had the Holy Spirit not stepped in. Now look what he says here. Their eyes are veiled. Well, who did it? Now we have a natural blindness over here. The natural man doesn't get it. Now we have a satanic blindness. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Why don't they get it? Satan has blinded their eyes, and he's powerful. How long did he keep you blind? Well, there's no need of sharing the gospel. There's no way this can be overcome. Listen to what he says. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. Only Christ being preached can penetrate the darkness over the natural, satanically blind. You can preach to them everything else. They may buy it, sign up, be motivated. They'll be principalized to death, but they won't be saved. We preach Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. What did God do to us? He said, at the moment of regeneration and making you alive towards God, he said, it was as though God was standing on the threshold of Genesis 1-1 in creation, and everything's dark, everything seems chaotic, and God just simply steps out, and he says, let there be light. Bara, a creative word in Hebrew. This word, when God says it, things happen. Things that were not existent come into existence. Let there be stars. Let there be a sun. All God has to do is let there be, and it happens. And he doesn't have to consult the biology department. He's God. He can just say, let it be. Let it be. Don't de-God God. Leave him like he revealed himself. He's God. He can create universes like coffee. No big deal for him. He doesn't even break a sweat. Let there be light. Everything we're still trying to map in the universe was the result of one word and command of God. Let there be light. And the Hubble has not yet got to the end of the universe, and God did it in one command. Let there be light. 186,000 miles per second, and we're talking about it's only what? You know, a billion light years. Well, multiply a billion by 186,000. And God said, when preachers and teachers bring my word and bring the message of the cross, what happens? The preacher's weak, the cross is offensive, and the natural man is blind, and the satanically ensnared man is blind. And what happened when God saved you, he stood on the balcony of your heart, and he gave a command, let there be light. And in a moment, you were saved. 